we are made of chemical reactions all over the place, you know? Every time neurons, you know, like fire together, there's a little spark of, 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 um, of energy that is relieved. So we are a heap of energy. And that energy can be perceived. Assalamu alaikum. Hello. This is Your Truth is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Nadira Razak. I am a wife, a mother, a seeker, and a life and business coach. This podcast is about tuning in to that small, quiet voice within that urges you to really follow your soul's calling. And this podcast aims to bring you solo episodes and interviews with other special humans who have followed this calling, no matter how out of the box it may have been. We'll share stories about how God's grace is working through their lives and how they have the courage to really put one foot in front of the other and build a life that is fulfilling, meaningful, and filled with a sense of play and wonder. I started this podcast because I was at a point in my life where I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve as a coach, yet something still felt missing. I knew I wanted to feel utterly and truly alive and connected to other beautiful human beings. This podcast helps you navigate this quest where you feel like you've arrived and now there's a whisper that this isn't it. There's chaos again and you have to start over. So this is about new beginnings, pivots and finding those breadcrumbs of delight and surprise along life's journey. And I hope that you will tune in, whether it's on your walk, on your drives, going to the gym, however it is that you listen to this podcast. I hope it sparks something in you so that you get the courage to just go for your dreams, to trust those moments of insight and alignment so you can take action on the things that matter to you. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and keep in touch with me about the things that are on your heart so we can have a conversation about navigating this beautiful thing called being a human. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Welcome to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. I have a very special guest today from Dubai, Naina Ramnani. I'm going to introduce you to her formally, and then I will let you know how I met her as I always do with my guests. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Naina. Um, Naina Ramnani uh, is an ICF ACC certified purpose and empowerment coach. Naina was born and brought up in Spain to Indian parents studied in the UK and now living in the UAE with her family. She started off her professional career as a stock trader, later as an entrepreneur, and after a lot of deliberate and not so deliberate pauses, has found her purpose as a life coach. Her multicultural trajectory makes her more relatable and empathetic as a coach, and she's passionate about helping other women find their inner calling, breaking down those barriers that are holding them back, and empowering them to live the life they desire. And um, I'll let you know where you can find her. We will put uh, Nana's social media links um, in the show notes of this episode. But if you go to Instagram, she's at unlock with Nana. So welcome, Nana. Thank you. Thank you, Nadia. So it's your Friday morning. Your kids have, or teenagers yes. have just left the nest. It's Friday they afternoon have, for me. They here. have literally walked out the door and I can breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and dear <laughs> listeners, if you can recognize something similar with Nana and Coach Goldie, who also <laughs> was of okay. Indian background and grew up in Spain and she still lives there, it was actually Coach Goldie who introduced me to Nana. And she's like, You have to talk to her. And so Nana and I got booking <laughs> after like we found a time that we could connect. And I really thought what was really interesting about Nana's journey 
which again, when I do a pre-interview chat, I never know what's going to come up or what's going to spark the connection between a person's, a guest's story and the podcast, because it's all about your truth is calling and like where in your life did you have to make certain decisions that are maybe not popular or seem so out of the box, but if you are really being true to yourself and you listen to that inner voice and that inner whisper, it's exactly what you needed to do. And with Naina, I found that it was actually the story of her mom and um, that connection between, you know, her going through a diagnosis and Naina having to, um, yeah, leave her husband and kids in Dubai and decide to go and be with her mom during that period and her mom has since passed away this summer so it's still really raw um, and fresh so you know if we go to those places um, on today's call and it brings up something in you um, and Nana you as well I just need to be able to just go okay this is like a really sensitive you know open honest space um, and I know clients as well who are in that boat who have decided to pack up and move countries to be with an aging parent, uh, maybe who has had a diagnosis and needs that extra support. So I feel like to have you as a guest today is no accident. Um, okay. Obviously, divinely guided in the right timing. And as the world is in a crisis situation right now, I feel like we go through these um, yeah moments of crisis in our lives when the world is like turned upside down. With yeah, of course you do. Maybe, gosh, I didn't even realize we'd get straight into it. I thought we were going to talk about your background first. And then we're there, it's <laughs> well, like, we, we, the we can, <laughs> we can, and then slowly yeah. drift into it. Yeah. 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 So, Nana, when you obviously, Dubai has been only like, what, your last 10 years? In uh, like, yes. Yeah, we moved here in 2014. Yeah, so your upbringing was literally... You were born. So did your parents actually, were they born in Spain or were they the generation? No. So exactly. They were the generation that migrated in the, in the early seventies. And, uh, and, uh, you know, how it used to happen then, you know, when one came, everybody else came, you know, they, 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 so they settled into Spain first and then they called everybody else over, like all my mom's brothers, uh, my dad's brothers, everybody slowly started moving to Spain. So essentially my entire family is in Spain right now. Wow. I'm the only one that is here. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So a bit of an outlier. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think, I think that's part of the reason as well. It took me longer than uh, the rest of, of my family to, to get used to being here. You know, it's like I was, I was rooted out, you know, and, and I was here and everybody else was there. And, and I sort of couldn't find my place very, very well. For, for, for a few years, I would say. I mean, the kids took, God, I think a week, <laughs> 10 days uh, to get settled in. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were really young. And, uh, I think at that, at that age, they just want to make friends. They want to be in a good school where there's a lot of facilities where they can play and uh, they want to be with their parents, really. Mm. So, so they had all of that. And, and within days, they were well settled in. Um, my husband, did not take too long to settle in either. I mean, he was very acquainted with, with this place as well. He used to come here for work trips and he has family here as well. So yeah. he was loving it from day, from day one. Yeah. And I was the only one saying, you know, what's wrong with me? Why is it taking me so long to get used to this? You know, and I'm, and I'm not, um, I'm, I'm pretty outgoing. I'm, I'm, you know, I get, I get, I'm very flexible. I get adapted to places fast, but what's going on? 
And now in hindsight, when I think about it, I was like, yeah, because I was just away. I was away from, from home, essentially, you know. And you mentioned something when in our pre-interview chat as well that um, that home still feels like it's Madrid or Barcelona, like yes. that part of Spain and not so much yeah. where you are now. And we were talking about it was you were mentioning like your husband had lived in one place for 40 years and yeah. he needed to have like a change. So can you talk about that? Like how did you as a family discuss these things? Because I feel like this is not like uncommon. Like there's other families out there who are probably looking at their life going, really, <laughs> is this all there is in this space? And having those little inklings that there must be something more across the pond. Could you talk to us about maybe a little, give us some insight as to how that came about, how you end up, you're making the move well you're gonna find this funny because there wasn't really a lot to talk about i i I think we were just you know sitting on the couch one day and he said would you like to move to dubai (laughs) and i and i just said okay (laughs) and that was it are you serious and and honestly that was it. no discussion as such it was just (laughs) someone posing the question for the first time yeah you know and and i think that's you know, part of my my spontaneous nature. You know that that sort of <laughs> wild personality came out. I said, "No, what the what the heck? Let's just move, <laughs> and you know, we'll figure it out later." And uh, to be honest, I I think um, the opportunity to do this came at a point in our lives when we were both at a standstill. Uh, um, like from 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 him, it was the. His business was doing well. Everything was fine. But he was not doing anything new. Mm. And, and, and you know, my husband's the kind of those kind of people. He has ants in his pants, literally. So he, he needs to be doing like a thousand things at the same time for him to be fulfilled, you know. So, so I think he was just at a point in which he needed to do something new. And, 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 uh, and Barcelona was not offering those opportunities mm-hmm. at that point. I was simply just taking care of the kids. So, so, so my life was, was literally linear, mm. you know? And where did that fit and, in the trajectory? Cause you said you did the stock broking. Was that a stock trader was part of it? And you yeah, said, yeah, yeah. So did the kids happen in between those careers or? The, the kids happened later. The stock broking was at the beginning. Okay. In Madrid. So, so when I got married and I moved to Barcelona, uh, so Barcelona is part of the, of, of uh, Catalonia. So, uh, at that time, there were no, well, still, they're going through this huge independence movement. So they were very, very focused on using their own language and, uh, and, and not using that in Spanish. So I, there was a huge language barrier for me, even though born and brought up in Spain and Spanish. Well, what do you speak in Catalonia? What, what do you call that? You, you speak Catalan. You speak Catalan. You speak Catalonian, exactly. So I I did not know Catalonian. I can understand it because it's 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 like a a mixture of of French and uh and Spanish because Catalonia is on the northern on the like northeast, like east northeast side of of Spain. Mm -hmm. So it's literally bordering uh France. So there's a lot of similarities in the language and because I'm fluent in Spanish and I'm fluent in French, so I can understand it. But I couldn't speak it. Like I, I couldn't have a business conversation in in, in Catalonian. Wow. And and uh, you know, and I noticed that that was a huge, huge drawback for me at that time. So I wasn't getting uh, a job uh, where I wanted to get a job. 
So all these big uh, companies that I wanted to work with that I could potentially, you know, be useful to, there was a language barrier. So I did do a few things. I did a little bit of IT consulting, I remember, for a while. And, uh, and, and not much more apart from that. And then the kids came. So I said, you know. I'm so you were coasting. I, I was coasting. And, and to be honest, I wasn't even taking things very seriously because uh, my husband was an entrepreneur. So he was working for himself. So we had a lot of, of flexibility. Mm. And, you know, it was the early years of our marriage. So we, we would um, travel a lot as well. So it was nice not being bound. Yeah. to a job, to a nine-to-five, to a Monday to Friday as well. So we kind of went with the flow like that. And, and fortunately, I I could choose not to work. Yes. So, so yeah, we, we did. I think we made the most out of that time mm. for us both. And, and yeah, and then the kids came. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those um, sort of unconscious uh, decisions that you take mm. that – you know, you just think to yourself, okay, I have kids now. Now, you know, the, the logical uh, uh, thing that I have to do now is take care of them. Mm. They're my responsibility. You know, I'm their mother. I have to nurture them. I have to take care of them. So I'm just going to mm. sit at home and do that. Mm. And I did that. Yeah. And I did that, you know. And uh, um, I don't regret it, obviously. You know, it, there, was, there was a lovely time. They were both, and they were both one after the other, literally. So, um there's a 22 month gap wow. between them. So, so one was very small and the other one came. So, so it was, I think it was a good two, three years that I, I just, I honestly don't know where the time went. Yeah. I don't know. It does. You know, go there were really babies fast. and then suddenly they're toddlers and you don't know what you've done in those three years yeah. <laughs> apart from change diapers so. and, and, and wipe runny noses, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that's it. Yeah. So when you came to Dubai, what were, what were their ages when you moved? Uh, my daughter was seven and my son was five. Oh, wow. Okay. So just yeah. like that start of school. And so most of this the start of school, exact fresh start for them. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what happened when we came here was obviously, uh, it was a whole different setup. Mm. Uh, school started. Yes, you'll have like to we, talk we about used... expat life. <laughs> I've not had an expat. Well, on this well let me tell you that, that uh, my expat life literally started um, living in the car. For, uh-huh. well, for, yeah, for a huge part of my day because, um, so in, in Spain, we would start school at nine and they would finish at four and school was a five minute drive away from home. So, so, uh, I don't know. It was time management was a lot more efficient mm. and you come here and all these schools, like huge, beautiful schools with, you know, like a campus. everything and anything, exactly anything and everything that you can think of. The school has it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kids are super happy, but the schools are like a half hour drive. Wow. Yeah. And they started recognize when it's up and down is an hour. And then up and down yeah, again. Exactly. Is another, hour. is another hour. Plus, when they're small, you have to actually walk inside the school and you have to pick them up from there. So that's another 15 minutes gone back and forth. Yes. <laughs> so that's already three hours that you're spending, you know, doing yes. that. And and then you sort of um 
get sucked into the whole, oh, you know, my kids are doing piano and my kids are doing football and this one's doing that and this one's doing the other. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, so maybe our kids should start doing these things. Too. And then it comes from the kids as well. You know, mommy, uh, my friend is doing this. Can I do this? Can I do that? Yeah. And it turns out that all these activities are spread around, you know, the whole urban area of Dubai and you're, you, you end up uh, just driving from one end to the other all the time. So it's a full time yeah. gig. Oh just my like god! Tabling, yes. chauffeuring. Yes, yes. It was <laughs> like, okay, driver, if I drop you know. here, and I have to spend one hour waiting for here. What can I do with the other one that you know can be useful for him? And it, it was literally like that. Every single day was like that. I would leave the house at two o'clock to pick up the kids, and I wouldn't be back till seven, seven thirty. Oh and at goodness. that time, then it's yeah, then it's dinner. It's bath time. It's dinner time, and you know the kids are into bed by eight. Wow. So it was um. It was a busy period, but it was busy in terms of me doing things on autopilot, really. Mm. You know, it was. How were you relating to yourself at the time? Was it just like, like, were you like, oh, here we go again? Like, what were your mental? It was, it was honestly, it was just like waiting for the weekend. Oh. So that I can sleep in. Just waiting for the weekend so that I can sleep in. Yeah, yeah, because our mornings. So it was, it was still getting, getting used to that change, waking up at six in the morning and being out of the house at seven in the morning mm-hmm. and not coming back till 11 because, you know, distances are such in, in Dubai and then you have to do this and that and that. And then it also uh, coincided with the fact that uh, we were setting up a business over here. Mm-hmm. So the whole bureaucracy, the whole paperwork thing, everything was new. You know, so every day it's like, oh, okay, so today we have to go here because we have to get this paper signed. Then we have to go here because we have to pick up this. And it was, you know, uh, this whole learning experience that came in together. Yeah. You know, so it was like the the move to it was the move to a different country. Uh, Kids starting school, uh, commuting, different timetables, setting up a business. Uh, getting to know how everything works in this country, you know, logistics wise, um, uh, bureaucracy wise, everything. It was, it was a lot of things to take in. And did you and feel isolated in that? Like, because you didn't have obviously family, but your husband did. And did you have any friends from like his friends or any of that for you to just? We, we uh, knew a few people that were here, but you know, at that time, we weren't even bothered about that. We were, I think, bothered about just being okay. Wow. And and being okay with ourselves, being okay with the with the surroundings, being okay with the family, just being okay. And it's the climatization, yeah. basically. Exactly. And then there's another thing that you know that just added to, to the, you know, it's just you know, another component into the bag was that we didn't have a home. What do you mean? <laughs> so, no. so so we got so I still remember vividly. It was on a 28th of August, okay. 2014. We land at 1 a.m. in the morning. So it's me, my husband, two tiny kids, 10 bags, <laughs> I think four boxes, and no place to go. <laughs> so you had it set up where you were, like, did you go no, to a hotel? My- we, we went to, yeah, we went to a hotel first and then we got some service departments because um, my husband actually came uh, a month before we moved to look for a house. 
but uh, he he was just unable to make a decision for himself by himself. So he's like, you know what? Let's just all come. You know, we'll get some a service department. We we'll just stay there and we'll look around. We'll look at areas and uh, we'll see what's convenient for school as well. You know, that like because we had to drive the kids to school. So so what sort of area is convenient for us to stay and stuff? And and that's what we did. And uh, and then you know, in Spain, we're not you're not used to renting. Yeah. So the minute you have some sort of financial stability, you buy a house and you pay a mortgage, you know? Wow. So that's the thing. That's the done thing. We had, yeah, so we had never rented. So wherever <laughs> we had lived was actually ours, you know? And, yeah. and especially the, the, uh, the, the last home that we lived in Barcelona, it was a house in the beach. So it was, wow. you know, we I had done like- it up the way we wanted to, you know, we had literally handpicked everything, the furniture, the curtains, the color, everything. So it was like, our home you know it was ours we had made this and then you come here and and nobody has a home of their own like we know people that have been here for donkey years 30 years 40 years 50 years and they don't own a home yeah you know well uh, part of the reason is because before you couldn't own own a home over here you had to just rent you know they were owned by locals and you had to rent them but in about in around 2000 uh, five or six, they started opening up free zone areas where you could buy. They were normally outside of the city. They started building communities outside the city and, and you could buy property there. But for some reason, you know, there's still not a lot of people that own property over here. And actually we don't, you know, we've been here for nine years and we still I we love that we don't own the property. Your, your husband didn't let that one. For some people, it might have been a huge thing of we don't know where we're staying. It didn't stop him. It's like, let's just get the whole family. That's our home. <laughs> and we'll figure out logistics when we get here, whether he had your expertise and, and the kids figuring out school. It's like he almost trusted you guys to be able to choose and feed it back to him so he could feel settled. If you guys were settled, yeah. settled. <laughs> and he didn't exactly. stress. He wasn't able to do it on his own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just like, you know, there's something we, we have to, like, we all have to feel it, you know? Yeah. When you walk into a house, you're like, a, you have to feel, you know, that, okay, so yeah, I can stay here. This can be my home, you know? Yeah. And he wasn't able to do that by himself. He's like, you know, I'm walking in by myself. So I don't know if this is good enough for us. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's so beautiful. We all need to walk in. We all need to, you know, like walk around the house and, and sort of feel it and see if, 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 if you know, we're, we're good. So anyway, to cut a, a long story short, we actually did find a, and so, so yeah, so whatever we saw, it felt like it was already lived in, uh-huh. you know? Somebody else's energy. Um, exactly. It's like somebody else has already been here, you know. <laughs> How can we move here? And uh, and we finally did find a house that was actually new. They were they were just building a, a small complex. And uh, and we said, okay, you know, this is new. It's perfect. Nobody lived in it. You know, is this we can where make you're it ours. Like you're still no, in No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. After that, we moved quite a few times, you know. <laughs> so see, that's the thing about Dubai. You, it's very easy to move. Yeah. So every, um, I think we've moved every three, four years. Actually, we've stayed in the area. Yeah, but but we've just kept moving. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously, you know, rents keep going up and down, and and then and then and new things come up and stuff. So so and it's so easy to move. So you're like, okay, so now I don't want to stay here. I want to stay there. Let's go. <laughs> so after you acclimatized, is that when you started feeling like a little itch, like hmm? 
now everything's settled, everybody else is settled, I'm not settled, what's my thing? Or tell me a bit about how you started to feel these whispers or inklings that there might be something um, yeah, that's fresh and new. You know, uh, to be honest with you, it didn't come at the beginning. At the beginning, yeah. I thought, you know, as I told you, it took us, it took me personally a good two, three years to sort of, you know, get used to the whole setup and stuff. And, um, and yeah. And when the kids were, were that age, it was, it was just my whole day was just gone in that and driving up and down and, and, and then, you know, these uh, schools over here, I don't know how it is in Australia, but they require a huge amount of involvement from the parents. (laughs) They do. And because they were small and, and, and I think it, it was also partly, you know, um, because of me as well, I thought, you know, if I get into these circles, I'll meet moms and, you know, I'll mm. be able to meet more people and I'll be able to make friends and stuff. So I got more involved in school stuff with the kids and stuff. And then, and obviously on the side, I was helping my husband as well. We were, we were setting up, a, well, mainly him. I was just there as, as you know, the, the you know, like the support <laughs> mechanism that you, whatever you need, you want me to write an email because, you know, my English is really good. I'll do that for you. <laughs> if you want me to go with you to, to all these, you know, municipality places to get paperwork or whatever, I'll do that for you. Um, so yeah, so we were setting up a, a business to import food stuff from Spain to the UAE uh, and while we were doing that a good friend of ours he has a in Spain he has a, um, a, a nougat uh, company like he he makes nougat and, and they're, they're actually they've grown a lot so they're very very popular now so he wanted somebody to bring it to the Middle East right and uh, and yeah and I, I think we were just there at the right time the right place and we started doing that so that involved opening up stores in Dubai, we opened one in in Elaine. We opened one in Abu Dhabi as well. So, so yeah, there was a lot What's going it called, on. Dana? What's the? It's name? called Vicence. Oh, Vicence. We'll have to put it in the show notes. So you're gonna have to send me how to spell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we unfortunately, well, you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk about this in, in due course. But we, I mean, the brand is still here, but we don't manage it anymore okay. because um, COVID. It. so you ended um, up closing that chapter yeah we did because we had to close down the stores wow. for quite a while when it was locked down and then there you know things um obviously there was uh well, imports exports everything stopped mm. so we couldn't get stuff in so it was like everything sort of slowed down and and now that you think of it it was a bit of a def- you know a blessing in disguise because we were spreading ourselves a bit too thin, I think, especially my husband. I think he was doing too many things, and this was just taking too much entering the returns that it was supposed to. Mm. It was getting there. It was growing slowly, but he just felt that his time and his energy could be invested somewhere else, and yeah. it could be more productive. So, yeah, it was it was sort of like a calling as well in its own way, saying, okay, now this has happened. Now what do we do? Mm. Do we keep investing? and keep uh you know making it grow slowly or we just call it a day and move on and we decided to call it a day yeah and that's move on. such a space of surrender like deep deep soul searching and like questioning yeah you know the answer oh. arrives that no this is the way was it a lot did you 
did it take a lot of weeks to get there or was it something he was feeling? It, it took months. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, because because there was and still to this day, you know, because obviously the, the owner in Spain, he's a dear, dear friend of ours now. And every time we talk to him, every time we go to the stores in Spain, because there's a lot of stores in Madrid and Barcelona and everywhere, there's always that little, mm, you know, what if? Yes. What if we had actually put in that effort and, and, and you know, really, really, you know, giving it, giving it our 100% to pull this thing um, up. But if that had happened, I wouldn't have been a coach. <laughs> so, you know, there's always a silver lining. There's always a silver lining. So It's like something yeah, has think... to complete and there has to be space for like the new thing to arrive. And that yeah. is such a tough place to be, to grieve yeah. something and put it to rest. It's so yeah. tough to do it that. It is, it is, you know. And, and honestly, when we did put it to rest, it was like, you know, we both sat and we said, <sighs> okay, now what? So he obviously has his, you know, Ants in his pants, kind of thing. <laughs> so he has his things going on. This episode, ants in your pants. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's he's always looking for new things to do, and 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 uh, which is something I greatly admire him. You know, it's it's that um, fearless approach to things. You know, it's like okay, this is something new. This could do well. Let's try and do this. And 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 that's something you know that that I, I hugely hugely admire him. It feels like he provides the impulse, like the yeah, like the yeah, 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 spark. Yeah. And you yeah. just say yes or no, <laughs> like you text it's with you. Exactly. So so you believe it or not, I think every week, every ten days, we would definitely discuss some new idea he has had. That's amazing. Yeah. So or like, like oh, a sounding board for his yeah. creativity. Like so, 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 so basically his, his, you know, he goes through a peak. Yeah. And then I either push that peak up or yes. I pull it down. I was like, okay, no, 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 this cannot work because you're the critical. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, okay, this can work if we do that, 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 that. So, yeah. so yeah. So there's a lot of ideas that just sort of, you know, in that. Stay there and sort of get get washed away, and there are others that are in the pipeline. And then you know this might happen, that might happen. So so yeah, so it's your your household is probably so interesting because you were <laughs> when I when I met you for the pre interview chat, you were in your yoga gear or your gym gear, and you said <laughs> routine is the kids leave or teenagers leave the house, and then you go with your husband to the gym, and you look yeah. like super fit. And I felt like wellness and well being was like a huge part of you and like exercise is like part just part of like who you are so yeah, is that definitely the chats do, do you guys chat when you're at the gym or does this no no we just life? drive to the gym together and we drive back then he does his thing and I do my thing oh no our, our chats it are you know after dinner when you're on the sofa and when you don't when you don't have anything to watch on Netflix. That's when it happens. You can't agree to that's, a show. that's that's when all the ideas, you know, come come popping out. Yeah. 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 I love this because see, like this is unique as well, like as a couple that you share this because I feel like in modern day families, like sometimes I guess it's also age, you know, dependent on the age of your kids and stuff. You'll go through seasons possibly where you're too tired to even talk, like you'll of go to course. bed. 
Yes. Yeah. You're in that season of parenthood and you're now on the other side of it <laughs> while they're older. Totally. Still at school, yeah, but yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. need that, you know, from you. So you have yeah. that spaciousness to have these sorts of juicy discussions. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're very independent in, in that way. And, you know, there are days that we go to bed before them. And <laughs> so, you, there you go. <laughs> did you go through um, a time where he was the one to be the sounding board when you were going through that period where like, I wonder what I want to do now. I feel like I want to do this. And would you use him as your sounding board to go, to go always. like, is it coaching? Is it this? Is it that? And he would be that for you? Yeah, always. He, uh, the good thing ab- about him is that he has never, ever in these 22 years that I've known him, disencouraged me to do anything, any, anything, you know, yeah. he's always, he's always had that, um, that sort of inherent confidence in the fact that, you know, you are equipped to take your own decisions. So, so, you know, decide. So how did whatever coaching, you need, we're here. How did coaching enter your world oh. of as conscious <laughs> to go, look at me, pick me? <laughs> like, how did it yeah. come into your field of vision? It, well, you know, this actually fits in really well with uh, with um, the, the 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 subject of of your podcast. You know, your truth is calling. Because I honestly do feel that my truth was there since always. Mm. Like but you have to, yeah, yeah. But you have to, firstly, be willing to listen to it, mm. and secondly, be ready to listen to it. Yes. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you about this, this, this story. Um, when I was at university, so when I was choosing to do my degree, um, you know, at that time there was not a lot of guidance, and I was in a tiny international school in Madrid. So um, there was not a lot of information. I did know, yes, I wanted to go to the UK and I had to study primarily because I wanted to get away and I wanted to live <laughs> that, you know, independent life and I wanted to be by myself and I wanted to be in a foreign country. Exactly. But uh, uh, clarity on what I wanted to do or what I wanted to study, zero, mm. zero. So I just went with the flow. You know, I come from a background of, of business owners and, uh, you know, I was good at numbers and stuff. So the logical thing to do was to do business management. You know, what else? What else are you going to do? So I just did that. So it's my first year. Default. Default yeah, it's a default thing. You know, you don't even think twice about it. Mm. Um, so first year at university, I was at King's College. And uh, I had a lot of uh, friends that were in med school. So they told me once, uh, you know, um, because I was very curious. I was like, you know, this is, this is what do you, did you guys just, you know, experiment on dead bodies? What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they were like, okay, so why don't you just come with us one day? And I was like, how, how can I do that? I was like, well, we'll just give you one of those white coats. <laughs> just walk in, you know, there's no register. There's nothing. There was like very little control at that time of who walked in and who walked out of, 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 of lectures. So I was like, okay. So I did that. I wore a, a, you know, a white coat and I walked in with them. And, uh, and, you know, I, I, I honestly, I still feel the, the chills of that room in my skin when I talk about it. It was a huge room, very cold. And it was, there were just uh, like tables, like this, you know, cold metallic tables with bodies on them. Uh, just, you know, 
stacked up. And uh, yeah, and uh, we had to like a group of six, eight people would, would just be around, like would work on one body. So um, that particular class uh, was uh, about the lungs. Mm. So, you know, that the, the body was already you know, cut open and, and uh, we were supposed to sort of slid our hand in into the rib cage and, and, and get that lung and sort of extract that lung so that we could examine it. And can you believe that out of the eight people that were there, seven med students and me, nobody managed to get the lung out but me. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I just said, move over. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I very subtly put my hand in into the ribcage and I took it out. And that experience was, you know, I, when I still think about it, I, I think I should have gone with my gut because at that time my gut told me, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I would love doing this. And for months, months, you know, it was in my head and I thought, you know, I can drop out. I can go back to school do my uh, biology and chemistry A-level, get them, and next year enroll for med school. It was in my head all the time, all the time, all the time. And I got comfortable, and I didn't do it. And, you know, I just kept telling myself, it's such a hassle. Then when I'm going to be five years in med school, it's such a hassle, it's such a hassle, and I just didn't do it. But, you know, that calling to to do something for the people, to be of service, has always been there. And you're at a healer, time, Dana. You're at a healer. That, at like that time, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't pay attention to it. And I, you're I possibly sort of like it. a medical intuitive or something. It's like you have this intuitive, like instinctual knowing how to do things and you don't even know, <laughs> you know how to do it, but you just know it's like a very... <laughs> you know, an instinctual awareness. You're probably a medical. I, 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 I don't know, but you know, they, I, I try not think about it too much because, because then I get like, Oh, you know, what, but, if? um, what if, what if there's always the, what if, but, but yeah, I didn't listen to it then. And I listened to it 20 years later, Yeah, but I listened to ready. it. So, you know, there has to be exactly, you know, and, and I always say this, there has to be a right time for everything. And I was saying my, too, that you have to be ready, willing and able. You weren't able to. Exactly. Like the mind I, I, was like, how, how, five years going back? And like, yeah, yeah. wouldn't compute how that was going to take place. But now. No. And, and at that time, your priorities are different as well. You know, you're 18 years old. You're in university. Yeah. Your thought process is different. It's different. You're in such a hurry to grow up, to do things that, you know, that anything that can potentially slow you down, you don't want to do it. Yeah. So, so at that time I put, I thought this is going to slow me down. You know, I have to drop out mm. and I have to do, go back to school again. You know, I don't want to do that. It felt like and a burden. Yeah. It felt like a burden. I really did. And again, there was nobody to guide you. There was nobody to advise you. Either there was nobody or I did not actively look for anybody to, to, how to would you me. have known, right? Like, exactly, exactly, you know, you, you didn't even know a solution or somebody existed who could probably do that. It was what 1990s or, 
whenever it was. Yeah, yeah. If I tell you exactly, I'm going to give away my age. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but it was the late 90s. Yeah. Late 90s. <laughs> but Nana, you did listen, though, really acutely. I did. You had that listen, call yeah. to go and be with mu- your mom when she was going through a diagnosis. Could you probably yeah. talk about that? Like how it was just like a, you didn't have to think about it. It was just a knowing you had to go and the kids will sort themselves out because we normally think, oh, logistics going to work. But when you make a soul aligned decision, things just work. You don't, how doesn't come into it as much as the, the what, like, I know I need to do this. Everything starts taking care of itself and you get this invisible support, like coming to kind of fill in the gaps. Could you talk about that decision to go, you know, period? So uh, this happened in um, 2021. So uh, basically it was also a period of transition. We had shut down everything and uh, we were looking for things to do. And I was actually looking um, into a psychology uh, master. I had already picked my school and I was supposed to do my, my applications. And uh, it was November. So basically, uh, summer 2021, when I was in Spain, um, my mom had her routinary checks because she had actually been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer in 2015. She survived it. Uh, but obviously, you know, every six months, initially every six months and after five years is every, every year, she had to get her, her checkups and her, you know, her blood tests, her mammograms, everything. So, so, um, it, it had, for that year, for 2021, it was in, in summer, and I was there with her. So we went to the oncologist, and she was complaining a lot about her back. She's like, you know, my back is killing me, and I rest, and I try not to do things, but it's still it's still really hurting. And there was a, a protein in her blood that was totally out of range. It was very, very high. So uh, the doctor, she did not jump to conclusions, and she said, you know, uh, let's just do, let's just, you know, you can just control your diet a little bit. And um, she asked my mom, did you eat a lot of, a lot of meat? And, and my mom was like, no, my mom was like mostly vegetarian. And she's like, okay, you know, let's just repeat the test in, in, in a couple of, uh, in like a, a couple of weeks or so and, and we'll take it from there. Um, so she did repeat her, her test again, it was very high. So the next logical step was to do, um, a bone marrow examination, you know, to see what's going on with this protein. And in between that, she fell really, really ill. She got a pneumonia, and this was in November. So she was hospitalized, and uh, that's when I decided to 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 head there. I mean, she was in hospital for two, three days, and uh, they uh, had already diagnosed her with uh, multiple myeloma, but she was still very sick. So they couldn't treat one thing before they didn't sort another. So, uh, I, I, you know, there was like no question in my mind at that time of where I had to be. Mm. I, I didn't, I didn't even think about it. You know, I, I, and and I didn't even have to say it. Uh, the, the minute I got off the phone, my husband just looked at me. He said, "Just pack your bags, go, yeah. just go." And uh, you know that the the 
what I really want to stress over here is that I think we ourselves consciously think that people around us are not going to support us. Mm. You know, you know, we, we have that. We, we assume, yes, we have this habit of making assumptions, mm. you know, that, oh, you know, who's going to do this around the moment? You know, nobody else is going to do it apart from me. Who's going to drive the kids to school if I'm not there? Who's going to take care of their lunchboxes in the morning when I'm not there? And when you take that decision to leave because it is so, so important to you, everybody around you jumps on board because if it's important for you, it's important for those around you, it's important for the ones that love you. And everything miraculously falls into place, you know? And and, and I'm telling you, the universe has ways of, of, of doing this too because um, at that time, uh, well, my, my, like my mother-in-law, she stays with us. So, so she wholeheartedly said, don't worry, I'll take care of the kids, you know? I will take care of them. It's only the meals, you know? I will take care of it. Great. I was worried about uh, the drives back and forth because, you know, it would just take up a lot of time from my husband's working hours. So miraculously as well, we found somebody, we found a driver that could help us with that. So it, it sort of all fell into place. And, and I think it just worked so, so smoothly and not for one second did I feel guilty about not being at home with my family. Mm. I was where I had to be, where I was needed the most at that time. Yeah. 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 And it just, yeah. And after that, you know, because that was, that was the initial diagnosis and, and she came home. She was a good five months in, in hospital and she did. And when she came home, obviously she was, she was very unlike herself very weak you know she needed time and and i was there and and no hurry to get back no hurry for anything you know i i i just took that time to be with her and to make sure that she was okay mm. and it was uh obviously it, it it coincided with the uh christmas holidays and stuff as well so the kids my husband could come over be with her too which was good oh. as well you know it was good for her to see family too and after that, I made it a point to travel every couple of months to see her. Mm. And it worked absolutely okay. Mm. Absolutely okay. Wow. I think there's yeah. so much for other people to take from your story, Naina. Thank you for... Yeah, no, you're yeah. very, very welcome. But yeah, because the main thing like, is yeah. do not assume and, and trust and... Trust the people around you as well, you know. Um, like you, they will come through. They will come through for you. And, they step and that's up. the beauty. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that's the beauty of, 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 of humanity, really, you know. Like we, we're taught to be independent. We show up when we need to show up for other people. Yeah. So, and that whole yeah. independence thing as a narrative that's sold to us, whether it's even through personal development work and whatnot, you know, it's a very individualistic thing, but actually we're so interdependent. There is no one truly independent, but God, like to us in the Islamic tradition anyway, you can't yeah. do things by yourself. 
it's yeah. like you need each other and I feel like the powers you that do. he would you want you to be isolated but really the the power is in literally other people like your mother-in-law god bless her um was yeah. able to take yeah. that role of being that matriarch yeah. in the family and that feminine yeah. you know, yeah. force at home yeah so yeah. you didn't have to worry about that and she showed yeah. up saying I'll take care yeah. of it yeah and and you know um now that you mentioned this whole being independent being doing things by yourself and stuff it's good in a way because yes you are um you you are sort of strengthening your own self to be able to deal with whatever comes your way but at the same time what are we doing really you know i mean we're, we're creating a society of loneliness. Yes. And th- there's a lot That's of research. That's the biggest epidemic. Loneliness. Yes, yes, exactly. There's a lot, a lot of research right, uh, right now on this that, you know, that people are alone. Mm. People are alone. And what does that, and what does that lead to? It leads to anxiety. It leads to stress. It leads to a bunch of health problems, you know? So, so we should do what we are actually wired to do which is make connections, mm. you know, build relationships, be with people, support each other. That's what we're built to do really as human beings, yeah. you know? And in probably in our final sort of share, like maybe whether it's your expat journey helping you with that or how you built friends, could you share maybe like practical ways of how someone does that? Because I feel like we're so unschooled in how to just be human. <laughs> like nobody teaches us how to make, I mean, kids do that, I think quite naturally, like your kids when they move, they're like, okay, new school, fresh start. We're like concentrating on making friendships. How do you make friends as adults? Like give us a few. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I, I I actually read something about this yesterday and, um, you know, I read a post on LinkedIn about, about kids and, and how they sort of react to things and stuff. And, and we should actually adopt what they do. Well, see, uh, the essence of, of a child is the fact that he, they have no prior experience. They have no biases. They yes. have no judgment, you know? So they simply just turn up as they really are. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're such authentic, pure souls. And they just turn up as they are. And, and, and that's it. You know, they don't expect anything from anybody they're they're just being them yeah and 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 i think that's that's what we have to do we have to set aside all these judgments biases preconceived notions that we have we just need to turn up as we are and see people as they really are yeah and and and, you know go ahead sorry and 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 i also you know something i didn't believe in before but i do believe in now is all this energy that that we transmit you know when we're around it's because um, I did, I, I think we did talk about this in, in our, in our first, uh, meeting. You know, we, we are made of chemical reactions all over the place. You know, every time neurons, you know, like fire together, there's a little spark of, 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 um, of energy that is relieved. So we are a heap of energy and that energy can be perceived. Yes. You know, if you and I were it to meet tangible. in person, our energy, it's exactly. Tangible, but yeah, it is we, tangible. You can feel it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we would perceive each other's energy. So, so, so make sure that people get that that right. energy from you and suck it in from them as well. You know, and, yeah, and 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 I truly believe that. I believe that if you really, really turn up as you are, and 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 
and allow yourself to be a little bit vulnerable as well. Mm. You know, um, don't don't have that facade in front of you. Exactly, of, you know. like walls. Uh, no, no walls. Just just allow yourself to be that that vulnerable. Allow yourself to say, "Oh, I don't know that." Mm-hmm. Would you care to elaborate? I, I actually don't know that. You know, and I'd love to learn. Be mm-hmm. curious. Uh, allow yourself to be to be vulnerable. Have that little bit of courage of go up to people and talk to them. You know, because sometimes. I don't know if it's happened to you, but sometimes when you're in a, in a like in a, in a in a group surrounding or something, you just see somebody visually and you think, oh, this might be somebody I, I can I can get yes. along with and I can. I recognize that I could probably have that radar of like I can smell people that <laughs> are meant for me or whatever. I was like, I need to meet you. Like we need to know each other. Yeah, I, yeah I exactly. Feel like that with exactly. Characters and aura. So, so, yeah. Like you have an so, aura. So, yeah. So yeah. listen to that, you know, go up to that person, talk to them. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. What's the worst that can happen, say, really? I don't want to hang out with yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> That's the worst that can happen. Is, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. So, okay. So you move on to somebody else. <laughs> so what, what I recognized was my second boy. He actually recalled a story when he was in prep, which is your first year in school. It's called prep here or foundation. Yeah. Um, his teacher saw him kind of dawdling outside the classroom, not knowing his place. And she actually gave him a conversation starter and said, you know, why don't you go up to that kid and just say, hey, would you like to be friends? <laughs> I was like, is that easy? Like, sometimes we need language. It's like, yeah. hey, would you like to be friends? So I guess for an adult, it would be, hey, would you like to hang out sometime? Or maybe yeah, we should put your coffee together sometime. And yeah, yeah. Or just simply just go and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm, I'm Miss, you know, what's your name? And you yeah, know, exactly. part you here and, and, and just get the conversation going. Yeah. Oh, Nana, this has been so yeah. beautiful and nurturing. Yes. I feel like, yeah, you just ooze love and healing energy. And whoever gets to <laughs> be you. in your world, however you're supporting them through transitions or whether it's someone, you know, who has a family member going through some tough stuff and they're in that mm. caring role. I bet you, you know, you just. You know, it's, them. it's um, we kind of uh, tend to forget the role of the t- caretaker because we're so invested in the role of, of- of the person who's actually suffering the, the disease, mm. which obviously, you know, they, they are the point of focus. But sometimes uh, a caretaker can do so much. Yeah. So much, you know, and uh, yeah. They and need someone and the they world. need, <laughs> and they need that little bit of uplifting as well, you know, because what they're going through is, is, it's a whole journey of their own as well. Yeah. And they have to go through it, you know, just as the, the, the victim is going through that journey. The person who's there watching it, uh, supporting it, and being there goes through a journey of their own as well. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. We all, again, you know, we all need support some way or the other. Mm. We just have to yeah, find your right person. <laughs> be there. Yeah, yeah. Just, just. Offer it as well, you know. Just be open to offering your support to whoever needs it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. As you a guest, are very welcome. Calling podcast. We'll put your social links in the show notes, so anyone who is drawn to connecting with you on LinkedIn or on Instagram, they can find you. Um, thank you again, Nana. I'm so glad that Goldie connected us. So thank you, Goldie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Goldie, Goldie's like my eternal angel, you know, she, <laughs> she actually, she was actually that, that, um, sort of, uh, you know, that last push that I needed towards coaching. It was, it was through Goldie. 
Yeah. Because she was the only, and then she's, she's one of my best friends, and uh, she was the only coach on me. Yeah. So I, you know, I sat her down. I was like, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> How tell me everything I need to know. How does this work? <laughs> and, and she did. And, and that's what, you know, made me flip the coin. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, we yeah. all get to benefit from yeah. that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Indira. Listening. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. Asalaamu Alaikum, everybody. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. This is your host, Nadira Razak, signing off. If you have a friend or a colleague who would love to listen into these episodes, please share this episode with them. And I also wanted to let you know that I have space available for a monthly intensive that I do which comprises of three 60-minute sessions and voice memo support. And what women have come out of um, with these sessions is that they have a clear sense of direction. Um, We go into healing a lot of unresolved issues um, that up until now they haven't been able to look at um, or complete um, because of the situation that they've been you know, like we, we tend to go on autopilot and um, not have space to look at these things. So if that is you, consider um, going to nadharatrazak.com and getting yourself an assessment. So an assessment call is something where I can just diagnose the issue uh, quite easily. And some of you, you could probably just need that. And for some of you who do want that in-depth support um, for that monthly intensive, um, that is something that is available to you. And I can only take a few uh, clients at a time because when I am working with someone, they're kind of in my consciousness and in my field uh, for that month uh, quite intensely as we move through things. So if you are feeling like you're leaning in and you want to find out more, you can either send me a message, a DM at Nadira Razak if you are on Instagram, uh, or you could fill out the Google form at nadirarazak.com. Um, under that particular tab. I hope you have a lovely week. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.